Welcome to Adulting Therapists, a podcast where two Portland therapist friends discuss what it's like to be a therapist, what we do to take care of ourselves, and meet with special guests to talk about mental health issues, stigma, and more. I'm Emily. And I'm Corey. And we're Adulting Adulting Therapists. Hello and welcome. Hey. Hey, Emily. <laughs> hey, Corey. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, we are excited to be back after a short hiatus for yeah. the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. I um, I thought it was kind of interesting the last podcast that we did was all about, you know, like kind of like dieting and all that stuff and then kind of coming into the holidays. Yeah. I didn't realize how... Um, how perfect of a topic that was for that time. <laughs> I may have overindulged. Oh, we got a cat on the mic, guys. But it's all good. Uh, I had some mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. and then I had mashed potatoes, like, every day afterward. Nice. Because I made double the mashed potatoes I needed so that I could eat mashed potatoes for a week. That's really smart. I, I'm always thinking mm-hmm. if it's potato-related. Yeah, we went out to some family... Uh, family's houses, which was really awesome in that, like, we didn't really have to do anything except for, like, bring wine, but was not very awesome in that we had no leftovers to take home. Yes. So I've been definitely feeding for some some mashed potatoes. I should have just come over. Yeah. I'm, I invited you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I alerted you to the leftover situation know, in my I house. Know. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm help-seeking, help-rejecting. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> So for those who aren't therapists who are listening, help-seeking, help-rejecting is a uh, pattern of behavior that some clients exhibit. Yeah, it's where you say, please help me, I need help, I don't know what I'm, I don't know how to manage this, and then someone comes and says, here, here's the help, oh no, that's not what I wanted, I don't want that, or I don't want that now, Mm -hmm. or... Right, like if someone with anxiety is like, what do I do to help my anxiety, it's awful, and then you say, maybe you should exercise, or like, take some deep breaths, and they're like, I will not do that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um... I wanted to take a moment to to introduce you you guys to two other pets who are in the room. Um, would you like to say something? I don't know if you can hear. Here, I don't I'm going to put my mic there. <laughs> I don't know Here, if so you she's, guys... she's definitely talking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but we have um, I actually just adopted a stray cat named Monty. Um, and she is currently purring up a storm. You guys, I really wish I could convey to you how cute her little paws are. <laughs> They're very cute paws. I will, how about, um, when we release this podcast, I will post a, a photo of Monty on my stories that Sounds you guys good. can... Which brings see. me to another funny story. <laughs> when I first met Feist and I cried... Oh my god! ...because of her little paws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. So I brought... Feist to work when me and Corey worked together at um, a residential treatment facility, which we'll talk about later uh. by popular demand. <laughs> um, and I brought Feist and I was like, Corey, you need to come over to my office. Like, it's an emergency. And she came over and she just started bawling <laughs> because there was a dog and she has cute little paws, which is totally true. There's um, a video. Maybe I'll post it too. Oh gosh, you should. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, I recorded a video of Corey crying and fondling my dog's paws, just going like, oh my god. It was adorable. Anyway, they're here with us in the room. Yeah, Miss- we've got Feist and Monty for the first time ever. Uh, we, we got some some constructive feedback on our last podcast that, that Feist has not made an appearance, and she is very important, so she is sniffing around on the ground right now. Feist, do you have anything to add? Do you happen to want dinner? Do you want dinner? <laughs> that was rude. She can't get to the dinner. <laughs> no. Do you want dinner? Oh, she's too little. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there we go. Feist has made her salutations. I can't have. Um, just some feedback for our <laughs> listeners. Corey is crying. <laughs> I'm not fully crying. She's like half crying. Like I like. I just love her so much. Sixty-five percent cry. <laughs> Nice. Well, Corey, let me tell you a little bit about what I've been doing with my day. Yes, please. And it's a really good segue, listeners. Okay. 
Um, so today, uh, I have been, uh, binge-watching the Catfish television show program, television program. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, so Corey does not know what the Catfish program is, so... <laughs> Stop saying program. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Um, so the Catfish TV show is a show where these two gentlemen go out and, and, uh, meet people who have been in, like, online relationships with people that they've never met, and then they go along with this person to, like, go and meet whoever they've been dating online and okay. never met. And spoiler alert, oftentimes that person is not actually who they say that they are. Like, it's like, you know, a girl posing as a boy, a boy posing as a girl, or, like, boy posing as a different boy, or, like, old man posing as a young man, or, like, it's full of drama and intrigue. I'm really into it. Sounds terrifying. (laughs) It really is. It really is. Um, But just wanted to throw that out there because today's topic is... Relationships. relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Segway music, segway music. Yeah, yeah, so I figured it was a, um, you know, good, uh, good, um, way to start my day. Yes. You know, to start the day. Um, for those who, who don't know me too well, I'm a big fan of reality TV that happens to encompass, like, the weirdest people (laughs) in humanity. Right, like I really like uh, um, 90 Day Fiance, I like Catfish, I like uh, My Strange Obsession, um, anything where people like eat f- eat things that aren't food, or like live like lifestyles that are very different than the norm, like I'm just so curious, I'm so excited about it. Um, but enough about me, let's talk about relationships. Yeah! <laughs> so we thought we'd kind of like start from... From the beginning, so like dating or like meeting people. Yeah, that's crazy. It's hard. <laughs> I mean, I hear to be totally and completely transparent, mm-hmm. this is probably a topic I know very little about on account of I haven't dated <laughs> <laughs> like maybe ever. <laughs> Right. I know about the long-term relationship yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. So dating, I don't know much about it. I feel like that's something I need to do like more research and, and know more about because it's something that comes up a lot in therapy. Mm-hmm. Dating. Um, you know, how do I meet people? How do I talk to people? How do I trust people? Yeah. Kind of all mm-hmm. that jazz. Yeah, and then so, you know, just... Uh, to, for the opposing dynamics, you know, like, Corey uh, has been in a long-term relationship for quite a while. Is like, it okay that like, I say that? Like a decade. Like a decade. <laughs> um, like, first partner, sort of. Like, not no. necessarily, like, partner-partner, but, yeah. like, first person that you were, like, seriously dating. Um, and now you guys are married. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. And then, for my own self-disclosure, I've done a lot of dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also, I'm in a long-term relationship um, now. Yeah. But have done a lot of dating in the past. Um, so we both have kind of different sides of um, that experience. I certainly have not dated someone for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> or if I have, I, I don't know about it. Maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm catfishing someone. I Who hope knows? not. Is Monty catfishing us? That was a concern at first. <laughs> Well, and the fact that we didn't know if Monty had another life. Yeah, we weren't sure if Monty had, like, another family, because Monty just kind of appeared in my backyard this summer, and um, we were unsure if Monty maybe had, like, uh, a wife and kids yeah. another home. <laughs> this is Monty's second family. Yeah. We're really sorry to the first family. Yeah. <laughs> but now Monty has ours. We went through all the legal proceedings. Yeah. Necessary. Right, little cat? Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about, like... Dating and yeah, and what's yeah. the world like out there? Man, well, I have to say that um, you know, obviously, the easiest way to date people in our culture right now is online dating. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't love that. Didn't love that experience. Um, I find that you know, kind of tying back to you know other topics that we've talked about. Like, I think that the the dating world isn't too great for women. Mm. I think that the um, the whole process of, of dating online is not necessarily the best for women. 
Um, if you think about like a website like OkCupid, where people can just message you, mm-hmm. um, I remember getting like hundreds and hundreds of messages from like weird, you know, like people that I hadn't matched with, people that like there was no like percentage of. Um, in OkCupid, it says, like, oh, you're, like, a 65% match or 100% match, like, based on these questions that you fill out. And so, like, people would message you with, like, no, like, 0% match. Like, they're, like, completely opposite to me. Like, maybe a Trump-supporting, um, someone who's really into guns. Like, certainly not my type. Sorry. What? Uh, That's clearly you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all you, um, Trump-supporting gun lovers out there. <laughs> I don't think you'd be listening, but, um... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, um, it would, like, I would get messages from those people, and they'd be like, hey, like, ASL, (laughs) or, like, you know, hey there, beautiful, like, what are you doing today? And I'm just like, why are you messaging me? Um, so, like, I didn't like that website in specific, because there wasn't a lot of consent. Like, I was getting a lot of messages without my consent, and Uh they were oftentimes really gross, um, like, sexually explicit messages, where it's like... I don't really want to, like, have to deal with that. Like, it's just, bleh. Yeah. Um, Yuck. Yuck, indeed. Um, And then there's, like, websites, or websites. (laughs) I'm dating myself now. You go on the website at www. Are you talking about the applications? (laughs) Yes, an application. Um, Like, Tinder, Bumble, like, all that type of stuff. I kind of like those better because you at least, like, there's some level of consent before you can actually message someone. So you have to, like, swipe right. So you have to approve, like, all right, I engage in a con- Like, I will engage in a conversation with you. Um, which def- definitely does not mean that you won't get dick pics from that person. Gross! Not necessarily in the app, but, um, yeah. So it's definitely, like, a kind of a minefield yeah. out there. You know, I've heard from a lot of people that I've talked to, um... That it feels like that's the only way to date right now. Right. Um, it feels like it's really hard to to meet people out organically um, mm-hmm. just because of the nature of how we socialize these days. You know, mm-hmm. like when I'm out with friends, I don't typically start talking to other people, you know, like yeah. maybe I'm friendly because I'm, you know me, I could literally make a friend anywhere. Um <laughs> Oh, Monty, jeez. So sometimes I'll, like, you know, make friends and and kind of chat, but I'm not really, like, trying to make meaningful connections. So I feel like that's that's really difficult for a lot of people trying to make connections and and maybe find a partner or or something more serious. Um, It's just kind of the the nature of how we we connect these days. Um, so that being said, I hear, you know, a lot of frustrations with, with dating and with finding a relationship and feeling really lonely and feeling like, um, you know, I want to make this connection. So I'm, I'm trying all these dating apps, but I mean, how much connection do you really get from swiping? I've also heard some great, um, you know, stories come out of it. Some Mm -hmm. great connections, some relationships have occurred. (laughs) Things have happened. I know, uh, you know, a couple people with some uh, long-term relationships that have budded out of that. So, I mean, I'm I'm glad that it's there and it's definitely, um, you know, helpful in some ways. But it's, yeah, I mean, I'm so curious to know more. Yeah, I mean, I actually met uh, my long-term partner. uh, I met them through someone else that I met online (laughs) dating, yes, which is kind of a funny story. Um, But yeah, like, I totally agree with you. It's really hard to meet people in person these days. Um, And I think that there's a lot of um, unsafety that comes along with the ways that we're meeting people and dating them now, like both psychological unsafety and then like physical unsafety, like kind of like the psychological unsafety of what we're talking about with like, you know, like we're getting non-consensual communication, we're getting dick pics, we're getting gross stuff shot at us by people that we're like, ugh. Um, But then in, like, a physical safety way, like, you know, moving away from dating people that we know, you know, like, friends of friends, or like, oh, like, here's a blind date that my friend, you know, set me up on or whatever. Um, Like, you know, matching with someone on the internet doesn't necessarily mean that they're real. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen catfish, right? Except for me. Yeah, Corey has. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
But yeah, so like there's there's a lot of danger, especially like women that women yeah. might put themselves in for dating. I yeah, I definitely have you know I've talked to a few friends and they're you know they'll say I'm going out to meet someone and like okay well tell me where you're at who's gonna be your person who's there like how do we vet this person um, and I don't like having this mentality that the world is scary and everyone is a predator mm-hmm. and. Sometimes the world is very scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, who hasn't had a bad date? Yeah, you know, like, well. at some point in time. I mean, Corey. <laughs> Corey had one great date that lasted a lifetime. <laughs> Corey's still on her first date. <laughs> <laughs> I dated. I know, I'm just being a jerk. For, like, three years, this mm-hmm. other guy. <laughs> it was, like, one date. All right, Corey's second date <laughs> is currently. My second date down. ever. Yeah, I mean, I've been on, like, so many weird dates, like, um, there was one person that I met on Tinder that I met up with who, uh, spent the entire time talking about, like, the death of his childhood pet. That's just, dog. so sad. (laughs) And I was literally just, like, I think it had been a really long day, and, like, I think I had seen clients that day, and I was, like, actively yawning. (laughs) Like, because I was, like, so disinterested and I was like, oh, man, it's getting late. Like, I gotta go home. And he was like, it's 7 p.m. And I was like, oh, well, maybe if you weren't so boring. That's an interesting segue. How often do people go on a first date just to unload and dump emotional God. baggage? Like, I just yeah. need some a warm body mm-hmm. to tell my stuff to. Or even, like, I kind of wonder, too, like, I, you know, when online dating really kind of first bloomed, um, like, I was still in college, and then grad school and it's like I went on a few dates as a therapist and in grad school and it's like I wonder if I was just like matching with people who were like oh sweet like I can tell this person all about my childhood dog that died (laughs) which first date or free session (laughs) Ah. essentially it's like the same thing it's like an intake (laughs) you're doing like a um like an intake dating intake dating intake yeah. yeah, maybe maybe we're onto something. Maybe therapists should run dating website and they do an intake and then match. <laughs> yeah, like make compatible sure traumas and like the attachment uh, style matches yeah. together. Yeah, trademark that. Mm-hmm. That's ours. No, Can't like, have it. Internet my, world. <laughs> um, my partner actually has said before that he really likes first dates, like because it's like a job interview. Yeah, and if you know my partner yeah. like <laughs> that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> but like you know that's something that's like oh it's really fun for them you know like they really enjoy that process I'm like I hate this I like I, I think I've always kind of hated dating yeah um I went on a friendship date yeah I was very nervous yeah <laughs> I was so nervous <laughs> I was like it was kind of a blind friendship date mm-hmm. it was a setup of a friend of a friend you know. Corey, we met at work. No, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I was so, it was probably the first quote unquote like Yeah, I hadn't I don't date, so I was very nervous. Like how do I uh it was great. Mm-hmm. It was like I did feel like, oh no, are they gonna like me? Did I talk mm. too much? I didn't say enough. I didn't let them talk enough. Did I share too much? Oh <laughs> Yeah, it's real. But shout out to my my buddy Amala if you're listening. I'm talking about our first friendship. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I remember the first, one of the first, um, like, online dates I went on, um, I think, like, I felt like I needed to, like, be really, really cool, so I arrived, like, ten minutes early and had, like, a really heady book, because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, they're gonna think that I'm smart, and blah, 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 um, turns out this guy was so boring that I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go help my roommate change the locks on our house, <laughs> What kind of an excuse is so that? So I'm, I'm thinking that dating is going to help per, um, help people come up with really creative excuses to get out of stuff. Right? I mean, I don't even know where that came from. I need to go help my roommate change the locks. Like, I mean, that sounds the message night. of, like, I've met you and now I must change my locks. <laughs> you were wonder, so terrible. I need to I wonder go over and, ab- over and above on the safety. That's too funny. <laughs> Oh, there's a cat. I'm not sure if you guys can hear when the cat, like, brushes by the, um, the oh. mic. Oh, Hi, Monty. Monty. Oh. <laughs> oh, Monty. Um, yeah, so, like, dating, so weird. Like, you want to, like, present as, like, 
this super normal person, and yet I think we all know that, like, none of us are freaking normal. No. <laughs> and none what of us norm- are, are adulting. Yeah, no. <laughs> nope. What is normal and what is adulting? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Big I'm, questions. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, there's so... It's such a strange, like, when you first start dating someone, like, that feeling of, like, wanting to be, like, really cool, like, kind of putting on this different face of, um, um, you know, like, kind of acting. Yeah. Like, I remember, um, one of my good friends, uh, this was, like, long before I think I was a therapist, but she had had some trouble with dating, and her therapist at the time had said, like, try acting, like, different versions of yourself on dates. Like, don't try and be what you think is, like, the perfect person on a date, but, like, try on different hats of your personality on first dates so you're not just, like, I'm perfect, you know, like, kind of try different ways of engaging, and I thought that was such a cool, um, thought. I remember kind of trying that later, of being, like, well, like, what, you know, like, what am I presenting towards people that I'm dating, and, like, what do I really want people to know about me? Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to, like, date people and have them think that I'm, like, this perfect person that has it all together because a month down the, the line they're yeah. going to figure out that that's not the case. <laughs> what? You're not perfect? <laughs> what? So it's like, what do you want to give to that other person? Yeah. Like, you don't want to put on this fake persona that you're going to have to try and hold up for months or years or whatever. A decade. A decade. <laughs> Corey's yeah. still coming out of that. Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, maybe he's in for a shock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much to kind of think about in terms of, like, disclosure, right? Like, how how do you tell somebody in a new relationship as you're dating certain things about yourself? Like, what is the time frame for sharing, you know, things, yeah. like, that are important yeah. to you? Like, maybe, you know, possible trauma or... Um, Mm-hmm. mental health issues or you know do you ever do you say to someone like oh casually like oh my therapist mentioned because like you know what's the stigma around that is that like mm-hmm. well, why are you seeing a therapist or like you know yeah it's interesting hearing from friends like when they go on dates or whatever and they're like oh like I met this person like we told our whole life stories to one another and it was so like meaningful and profound and you know like we re- you know um we really connected and then you know, a week later, it's like, uh, I don't really know that person anymore. And it's like, what are, like what boundaries do you want to create for yourself around dating? Like, do you want to tell people your life story on your first date? Or do you kind of want to, like, hold back some of that information until you know that that's a safe person to trust that information? Yeah. Because, like, meeting someone for an hour at a bar or a coffee shop, like, you don't really know who they are. Like, you can feel a connection mm-hmm. when you first meet someone, but that doesn't mean that they should, like be able to hold on to your trauma for you. Yeah. Because you should really, like, if you're going to entrust someone with information that's so important to you, like, you should entrust that to someone that you know is going to respect that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a how... But there is no, like, workbook or time frame for how do you disclose information. I think it kind of comes back to trusting your, your gut and trusting what feels right for you, which I think a lot of people have a hard time doing because they second-guess themselves, you mm-hmm. know, like... And, you know, we, we want connection. We want um, to feel like someone else understands us. And sometimes that need or that want can um, outweigh maybe, mm-hmm. like, a, the rational part of your brain that's like, I don't know if I want to, like, share all this information or, um, you know, what does it mean to share this information? Sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, people are like, oh, you know, it's whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, like better to lay out everything and yeah, see if that yeah. person can but I think it's you know finding what's right for you and how do you reconcile like mm-hmm. what feels good for you what feels right for you with um, you know your timeline yeah um, and I feel like so many people I know too like um, like whenever they're dating it like feels like it's a rush mm. like it's like I really want like I want to go on a bunch of dates I want to find someone I want to be in a relationship Um, and I think that, you know, like, that has a lot to do with, like, the culture, like, specifically, um, you know, like, maybe, like, this idea of a timeline for women of, like, oh, you need to get married and have babies and blah, 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 and, like, that's not all that life is, Mm. and I think that so many women get kind of carried away with this idea I feel personally targeted right now. (laughs) I mean, I'd say that dating someone for 10 years and then getting married is a little different than, like... Trying to find someone on Tinder to get married to in the next year. That is accurate. Not saying that that's, like, the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, some, you know, like, 
people know, you know, like some people know, yeah. they, they know what they want. They, and when they find it, they're ready to, um, to, to put a ring on it. <laughs> so, you know what, that's funny. That brought me to, um, whenever like celebrities get engaged really quickly, I love reading the comments because they're so fascinating. They're either yeah. like stupid kids, like <laughs> you'll regret this, like, mm-hmm. or that's like people who are like, when you know, you know, mm-hmm. I met my partner and we dated mm-hmm. for three weeks before we got married, and we've been married for 11 years with, the, you know, three kids. And it's just, like, the drastic difference of, like, huh, idiot, to, like, <laughs> young love. <laughs> like, yeah. when you know, you know. Anyone else feeling personally attacked by uh, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande's breakup? Because I am still there. You guys, still I don't there. really follow, like, celebrity stuff, and I am, like... I don't even really... I couldn't tell you a single Ariana Grande song. I literally <laughs> never listened to her sing. And I am so into it. I don't know what's going on with me. It's because Pete Davidson is wonderful. Oh my gosh. We have like a cat under the door type situation happening right now. It's really cute. Um, clearly, Corey and I have ADHD. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and those like comments that you're talking about. Like I imagine that that's happening on, like, an internal type um, yeah. basis, like, with anyone that gets engaged or married yeah. or, or whatever, or dating. Like, there's always one person that's going to be like, fucking idiots, <laughs> excuse my language. <laughs> and, like, there's always someone that's going to, like, you know, your grandma Ruth or whatever yeah. who's like, I'm so excited. This is the best thing that's ever happened. Um, she really wants you to get married. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, well, some people just want people to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to be happy. <laughs> I just want Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson to be happy. I, do I don't too. understand why that's such like a Like, separately idea. or together, yeah. just please be happy. I'm so sad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm, like, not usually into the, like, pop culture um, dating relationships. I know that must be shocking to everyone hearing about how much reality TV that I'm into. Um, but... For some reason, I just like Pete Davidson so funny, and I love his SNL career. He's yeah, he's great. He's mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, Ariana Grande has a pig. Yeah. On a side note, completely unrelated to relationships. Yeah. So I like her. I've just literally never listened to her mm-hmm. music. See, I have mixed feelings about the pig. Maybe we should go into this at a later date. <laughs> but I feel like now's a great time. Okay. The pig. So is she gonna keep it forever? What if that pig gets really big? I think she knows. She knows? Because she's okay. vegan. So I think is she, she yeah. Oh, I think she cool. knows that the pig is going to get big. Okay. And if not, hey, Ariana Grande, your pig's going to get big. You should make <laughs> plans for that now. Here's the thing, guys. In case, <laughs> listeners, in case you guys aren't aware. So teacup pigs, miniature pigs, it's Don't not. Don't exist. It's not a breed of pigs. They they're just, just small pigs. They're just small pigs. And eventually they get big. And then those pigs are going to be pooping in your apartment. And it's going to be a difficult time for you and your family. They get to be, like, like small pigs can be, like, 200 pounds. Yeah. You know, they're not, like, a sow. They're not, like, mm-hmm. a 600-pound mm-hmm. big pig. But they're still, 200 pounds is a big pig. So, friendly PSA, mini pigs, while, you know, Cute adorable, get big. They get really big. Okay. Anywho. Um, but yeah, relationships. Anywho, we were talking about what dating. Yeah, what were, what were we talking we about? We got all tangential. Pigs. <laughs> dating. We need dating. someone to keep us on track. We need a Stephen. Yeah. Um, Stephen, this out. Monty's not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Monty. Um. Yeah. So dating. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of um, layers. Yeah. So onion. like we kind of talked about like what do you reveal to people? You know, when you're first dating. You know, like what is that? process look like as you're kind of showing your true self to the person that you're dating. I think another important thing to talk about is that, um, you know, like, oh, we talked a little bit about, like, social scripts for dating, you know, like, how there's this timeline, like, get married, have kids, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's really important to talk about, too, that, um, like, there doesn't have to be a perfect way of dating. Yeah. There doesn't have to be, like, a heteronormative way of dating. No. Like, you don't have to date just guys or just girls. Like, you can do whatever you want. You can date people who don't have a gender or, you know, like, you don't have to be um, following through with what other people want for your dating life. Like, you can be doing whatever you want. You don't have to date one person at a time. Like, you can date multiple people. I, like, in my practice, I see a lot of people who identify on the, I'd say, like, polyamorous spectrum. Yeah. You know, of, like, non-monogamy. Um, 
And that's like, oh, that would be an interesting podcast for another day. Yes. Too. Um, And all of that is totally okay. All all dating, as long as it's consensual and happy and makes you feel good, Mm -hmm. is good with me. Yeah. And then, okay, let's talk about relationship relationships. Like, when you've been dating someone for a long time. Okay, here's where I can shine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, oh my gosh, I'd say every client that I have that's in, like, their 20s, 30s-ish time um, will always share with me, like, this feeling that if their relationship was perfect then Mm. there wouldn't be problems. Or, like, there wouldn't be... Like, you wouldn't have arguments with your partner. Or Uh, you wouldn't have conflict. Yeah. And I think one thing that um, is really important to know is that, like, everybody has conflict. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, it's not just you. You know, like, a good relationship... Like, a good relationship, quote-unquote... I'm doing my air quotes again. uh, Doesn't mean that you don't have conflict. Yeah. I had conflict... Like, yesterday, probably. Yeah, and, like, everyone's on a different (laughs) spectrum of conflict. Everyone can tolerate different things or fights differently. It was probably Um, a laundry-related conflict, if I had to guess. Not a getting-you-pizza-related conflict, or... Oh, that's, like, a daily conflict. (laughs) (laughs) In which Mm -hmm. somebody else in the relationship wants pizza every day. (laughs) And I get mad because I want pizza, too, but I also can't really eat pizza every day because my Mm. stomach would hurt. If I just ate pizza and not, like, you know, vegetables and stuff. So that's like... I don't know. I feel like... I feel like I agree with the other person. Well, okay, fine. (laughs) Have it that way. Yeah, I mean, so there is no perfect relationship. Relationships Mm -hmm. inherently include two people with differing opinions, emotions, Mm -hmm. histories, experiences, who come together to build a life and live together, you know. Um, Two people or more, depending on your... Um, your preference. Um, yeah. And so in that, like, you know, you go out into the world and live your life and you come home and your partner has also been out in the world living their life. Like there's going to be different things going on, different emotions. And Mm -hmm. we can't always explain how we're feeling in the moment, the best of our ability, Mm -hmm. right? Like stress, sadness, frustration, being tired, being grumpy, being hungry, being constipated, like all things that can get in the way of us being able to communicate Mm -hmm. how we want to. There's also history, you know, if there is something coming up that has maybe been brought up before and you feel like not this again, you might be even more sensitive to it the next time, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I can't believe this, you know, Mm -hmm. thing again. Like, um, it's so easy to kind of throw your hands up in the air and be like, ah, again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) here we go. Yeah, and, like, people who have been in, like, emotionally or physically abusive relationships in the past tend to have, like, a different sensor for, um, you know, for conflict than people who might not have experienced that. Like, I know that I've read, like, time and time again that, like, people who experienced, um, like, domestic violence or, like, psychological abuse as children, like, tend to interpret... Um, small conflicts as being really big arguments or, mm-hmm. like, like the perceived yes. threat is so much bigger than what might be going on for the other person. So, like, it's important, like, if you're... If you and your partner are having conflict to make sure that you're, like, expressing yourself in a way where everyone feels safe. Yeah. And I think one of the big things that I talk about, you know, in family therapy, and this goes for mm-hmm. for relationships as well... and. Um, I mean, my specialty is in, in family therapy, not couples therapy. So just kind of disclaimer on that. Um, but, you know, we talk about in family therapy, when you're not in an emotionally dysregulated space, you know, when you're calm and everyone's feeling um, regulated and, and um, can communicate, that is the time to bring up, hey, I've noticed a lot of these things. It's really not going to go over well if everyone's heated mm-hmm. in the middle of an argument to bring up everything that you've ever wanted to talk about. Right. 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 Like, we we don't have the greatest ability to express ourselves when we're dysregulated or upset or when you know, trauma is coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to communicate how you want to communicate what you want to communicate in a way that feels healthy, safe, respectful to your partner when you're dysregulated. Yeah, the best time to bring up conflict is not when you're angry. Yeah. You know, like, even though that's when you want to. You know, like, when we're angry, we feel like we have so much to say. Like, we have so many things that are on our mind that have hurt us. 
And, like, when we're angry, we really shouldn't be engaging in any sort of, like, attempts at problem solving. Yeah. Because we don't have the brain power to do that. So, for example, I sometimes get a little, you know, moody. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't, really? Sometimes I'll come home and I'll just, you know, I'll be like, I just need 10 minutes alone. Like, I'm clearly, something is wrong with me. I want to maybe snap at something that my partner has said or done that Mm -hmm. is ultimately inconsequential and not usually related to what's happening. Um, but it might be like, I, I, I do need to bring up something or talk about something and I just need a few minutes to regulate myself and calm myself down. So I'll just be like, I need 10, go into the room, close the door. Like sometimes I'll lock it, even though I don't even never come in. I just feels really good to lock it when you're angry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'll just kind of like relax and listen to music or like pet my dog for a few minutes before I'm like, okay. Now I feel like I'm not going to say something I regret. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I'm back in my emotional ability to mm-hmm. be rational. I'm back in my wise mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have a conversation about, you know, was this even related to my partner? I mean, quite honestly, it's probably not. I was yeah. probably hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I hungry? Am I burnt out from like a long day? Yes. You know, like what's really going on? Was I in traffic? You yeah. know, what did someone yell at me earlier today? Mm-hmm. Um, did, did I just look at the news and get overwhelmed? Like, mm-hmm. or like, did I come home and, you know, something wasn't done or I misread text message or, um, you know, sometimes my text messages don't go through. You didn't even get it. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. It wasn't, you weren't responding to me. Mm-hmm. Literally didn't get it. But, um, yeah, taking a few moments to just kind of think about where am I at and calming yourself down and mm-hmm. formulating your thoughts can save such a heartache and yeah. of conflict. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, like, going back to what you said, too, about, like, um, you're, like, bringing up everything bad that's ever happened in the relationship. Um, there's something that John Gottman talks about a lot of the ledger. Oh. Have you heard of the ledger? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so essentially the idea of the ledger is that, you know, like, you're storing in the back of your mind, like, every bad interaction, <laughs> every bad interaction, like, every negative situation that's happened with your partner And you're, like, writing them down on this ledger that you have in your mind. And every time you argue, you're like, oh, well, I'm still mad at you for this. I'm mad at you for this. I'm mad at you for this. Um, And what, you know, Gottman found in his research, he's, like, an amazing relationship researcher. um, But he found that, um, you know, the more we hold on to that ledger, the less happy we are in Mm -hmm. in our relationships. Because... You know, like, what sucks more than, like, trying to solve a conflict in the moment and your partner keeps bringing up things that happened, like, three years ago? Yeah, you can't solve that. <clears throat> yeah, that are, like, <laughs> things that you feel like have already been talked about or you felt like we moved on, but your partner seems to still be upset about it. Like, when you're having a conflict with your partner, you should be focusing on what the problem is in the moment and not all the problems that the relationship has ever faced. Yeah. Um, and that seems overwhelming. Yeah. You know, yeah. that seems like... I don't know. I don't have enough space and energy to be mad about things that have happened that long ago. Right. Um, I mean, there's pro- there's probably like a handful of things I can mm-hmm. bring up and think about, but it doesn't doesn't help. Doesn't get anything resolved. It doesn't make me feel better. Except, um, I mean, I could imagine if you're really angry, it would make you feel better to to make that to the other person to feel maybe just as angry or hurt as you are in the moment. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a lot of of how we fight, how couples fight can be. I want you to feel as bad as I feel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that kind of enmeshment. Like, I need yeah. you to feel as bad as I feel. Yeah. Um, well, then I, we just got two people feeling real bad. Yeah, and that doesn't solve anything. No. Um, yeah, like, fighting fair. Like, yeah. that's so important. Like, what does fighting fair mean to you, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, yeah, not pulling out personal digs that have nothing to do with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, not... Uh, bringing up things from the past or things that can't be fixed or can't be helped or, mm-hmm. um, sorry, Feist is like really upset with this talk of conflict. Yeah. She's like, there's no conflict. Everyone's fine. I'm a dachshund. Yeah. Like, um, you know, focusing on the present, you know, mm-hmm. not using, you know, verbal or physical aggression course, to make someone yeah. feel threatened or yeah. scared. Maintaining safety, you Maint- know, yeah. emotional safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the, the biggest things that, um, not biggest things, but one thing that, that we tend to do is say, you made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that's a loaded topic because 
somebody else can't really make you feel a certain way. They might, Mm -hmm. the actions might have made you feel a certain way, Mm -hmm. but it's also about being able to take accountability for how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. taking accountability for your actions, understanding the other person's actions and how they played on how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like when it's, you made me feel this way, there's not really much of a, an issue to resolve there. There's no problem to solve there mm-hmm. becomes a personal attack and then a victim like, right. And we can take accountability for, I, I don't feel good right now. I feel bad when this happened, mm-hmm. you know, those, those kind of basic, I feel right. <laughs> statements. Right. But they're, they're kind of comically overused, but so helpful in these, in these moments when there's, you know, everyone's touchy and feeling. You don't want to, mm-hmm. to bring more hurt and pain into an argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think so much, like, um, you know, taking accountability for our own feelings, you know, like, our feelings don't exist in a a vacuum, like, they come from, like, our minds and our experiences and, like, our upbringing, so, you know, like, what could really bother one person might not bother another person. Yeah. Um, So it's not fair for us to put on the people that we're dating or in relationships with, like, you made me feel this way. Yeah. No, like, taking that accountability is so important. And I think, like, on another... um, on another level, like, I think, um, you know, like, emotional abuse and psychological abuse um, in relationships and in conflict is really hard to put, like, a solid, um, um, like, a black and white label on. Yeah. I think that uh, many relationships, especially with young people, have pretty toxic flavors to them. Like, a lot of, like, control, you know, like, oh, you can't hang out with girlfriends, or you can't hang out with guy friends, or, you know, I want to make you feel bad, and I think that um, perhaps this is just a pattern that I'm seeing, because I work with a lot of women, um, but I do see a lot of women um, who, you know, have suffered from emotional abuse or physical abuse that then uh, kind of put some of those patterns on their existing relationships, Mm -hmm. Like, where they will be pretty controlling or um, engage in some emotionally toxic behaviors, like, really wanting their partner to feel bad. And I think that that's a result of, like, their experiences of of abuse. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, if we are aware that we have toxic patterns in relationships, like, we're always bringing up this ledger, we're always trying to make our partner feel bad, I think that those are things that we need to address in our own therapy. Yes. And I don't think people should feel ashamed of acknowledging that they have toxic relationship dynamics. Yeah, who comes with a clean slate? Yeah, right? No, I don't think anyone does. Mm -hmm. If they do, let me know so that I can date them. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I mean, I think we covered a lot of stuff on relationships. Again, you know, this is just a small piece of Mm -hmm. the many things that we could talk about about relationships. Um, There's so many different dynamics. Like you said, we didn't really go into much or talk about, you know, DV or anything like that. Um, We didn't talk a lot about different types of relationships. We just kind of talked about some core core things yeah. of dating and relationships um if there's anything related to relationships you guys would like to hear more about yeah. let us know or if anyone is a relationship like expert or has some stuff mm-hmm. that they want to share we're, we're still looking for people to come and join us um yeah. and share their knowledge yeah i can think of a couple of people that i'd love to drag on here oh so yeah if you're listening to this and you're thinking hmm will emily drag me on here Consider yourself warned. <laughs> um, okay, so now is the time um, that we have segue music. And we answer questions. We answer questions. Yay. Um, so our first question was um, about someone, someone wanting to learn more about uh, our background in residential care. Yeah, so um, I... We both worked in residential care. Um, That's how we met. We talked about that in our first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about residential care. What is it? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, there are a lot of uh, places that are not, you know, the best at doing it. Um, There's some places that I think are really great. There's lots of different types of residential care. I think a lot of times we think about residential care for substance use. Mm -hmm. For adults, that's kind of, um, you know, you think about like, well, yeah, like rehab or checking into a place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, our experience has been residential care for teens and kids. It's mm-hmm. a little different mm-hmm. um, on account of 
there's an inherent lack of consent when a mm-hmm. child or a teen um, comes into residential treatment because in the state of Oregon, where we live and uh, work, there the law says that you know if you're under the age of 18, your parent can kind of sign you into treatment if you meet the requirements, and then too bad for you, you're there. Um, so, um, kind of regardless of whether or not you feel like you want to be there, which has its pros and cons. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, for the particular program that we were working for, um, generally in order to admit to these services, um, someone would have had to either try to hurt themselves or someone else. Yes. Or, you know, some, some other very severe mental illness. Yeah. Um, so we worked with a lot of very high acuity yeah, so I think teens. Um, one of the things that I think we get questions about is um, how do you get into residential care? Like, it's not this kind of magical, like, oh, I had a rough week, um, you know, or I can't, I don't mm-hmm. know, this is too much for me to parent this this child. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can go here for a little bit and, um, like, get straight, you know, like, get their head together. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not. Sorry, Feist has a lot of opinions. Yeah. I feel like Feist not, might not be the best participant for our podcasting yeah. in the future. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, one of the things I really like to kind of reiterate about residential treatment is that it's, yes, the, the you know, the identified patient is the one who's there, but it's, it's a family-oriented mm-hmm. program. You know, yeah. the family has to participate because that's where change happens, you know. Yeah, with um, kids and teens, it's, like, impossible for them to be living in a home that doesn't change. Yeah. Um, like, it's impossible for them to change if they live in a home where nothing changes. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, and it's definitely, like, um, I think that even sometimes the families that we work with at residential care don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that caused us both a lot of stress. Yeah, and I think there's just a lot of misconceptions out there about what what it is and how, you know, uh, yeah, like you just, you know, we'll go fix my kid. And it's like, no, well, your kid's not broken, mm-hmm. first of all. Yeah. <laughs> um, your kid is maybe struggling, um, really sad, depressed, trauma, like mm-hmm. all sorts of things could be going on. One of the things that... Um, it's brought up a lot is that uh, residential treatment can be really traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a really important thing to consider when thinking about um, weighing the pros and cons of of pursuing that higher level of care. Um, Or, I mean, or as pursuing that as a career. Oh, Um, yeah. You know, like, I think residential care can be really traumatizing for the clients and for the people that work there. Yeah. You know, like, whether you're, like, a direct care worker, a therapist, a janitor, I mean, like, you see a lot. Yeah. You see yeah, that. because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about um, trauma's not pretty. Did you know that? What? <laughs> trauma doesn't come wrapped up in a friendly little bow, and it doesn't unravel in a beautiful pattern. So, right. I mean, it can be, uh, you know, beautiful work that's done, but it, it can also be messy. It can be scary. Um, even on the best of days, there's mm-hmm. just so much happening and so much energy mm-hmm. that it's really hard to not experience it. I would find myself when I was working residential, um, clenching all of my muscles everywhere all the time, always. And then it would just have such a hard time, like letting go of that stress and holding on to mm-hmm. all of the energy and hurt and sadness and, and trauma that I experienced for that day. You mm-hmm. know, I think one of the saddest things and this time of year, it's my first year not working residential treatment during mm-hmm. the holidays. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> for like a long time, mm-hmm. like seven years maybe. Wow. <laughs> um, I always had the hardest time working mm-hmm. in residential during the holidays because I just, I everyone would come and say, intakes around, say, starting in late October, early November, would just go, I just want to be out by Thanksgiving. And I would say, well, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll work, but we'll, we just got to see what comes and see where we get to. Um, and then it, Thanksgiving would come and go, mm-hmm. and it would be, I just don't want to be here for Christmas. Can I please mm-hmm. get home before Christmas? And I, again, I would love that so much. I would very much like you to be at home mm-hmm. for the holidays. That's everyone's goal. And if you're not safe, I can't 
that, that like just we can't, can't do we that. can't do that yeah. here for a reason, and that is your you know ultimate safety. Um, and it's not, you know, what the kids often don't understand is no. that it's not a decision that's really up to you. No, you know, it's not. Like it's a yeah. big decision that's like, a lot of people kind of take part in that. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's heartbreaking to be there. I mean, both heartbreaking and heartwarming, you know, like yeah. I've really enjoyed being there oh, for the gosh. holidays, like especially at Halloween. Halloween is, is my favorite. always because, so fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's so hard, especially when kids you know their families live out of town they can't really come and see them on christmas um you know i do love that on the other hand though because then they get like you get to have so much fun with them there's a lot of staff and not a lot of kids and we get to get them gifts and all that fun yeah that definitely was like again pros and cons of res was one was I, i would get sad around the holidays and the other thing i would see is just like the amount of love that 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 people can have for one another mm-hmm. and to, you know, put things aside and to be together on the holidays and just trying to make it nice, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to make it a time where we really can mm-hmm. express this feeling of gratitude toward one another. And, um, some of my favorite like moments ever in my life have happened in residential yeah, <laughs> because there's so much going on and people, um, when they're admitted usually have just so much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's then the opportunity for infinite growth and you get these moments where you're like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That's it right there. And so many hilarious moments, like (sighs) just the ridiculousness of like living and working in this environment, you know, like getting pee thrown at you or this happening or that happening. Like I still think my favorite story of all time was when, um, Corey and I were running an art therapy group and there was a client who was suffering from hallucinations and drew, like, this scribbled-out drawing on a piece of paper. And we were like, oh, what's that? And they were like, it's this. <laughs> Do you remember what? that? No. Like, oh it's gosh. this? Like, like they pointed at it. Oh. And it was, like, just a bunch of scribbles on a piece of paper. And we were like, what is that? And they were like, it's this. And just <laughs> pointed at, like, a mess of scribbles. And we were like, but what is that? And they were like, it's this. this. And, like, gestured at it like we were complete idiots. And I was like... <laughs> man, this kid knows, like, so much more than yes. I do. Like, <laughs> it's this, you know? Like, it's just like, uh, God, like, we have so many ridiculous stories. Good times. Good times and bad yeah, times. and bad times. You know? Yeah, but, I mean, I think one of the things that I loved so much was, you know, yeah, being able to see that growth and mm-hmm. being able to see progress and, um, you know, walking onto the unit after maybe, like, a weekend and coming back after a couple days and, like, reading the emails and, like, oh, my gosh, Look, someone who was really struggling maybe with transitions managed like an unplanned transition and disappointment in one shift and mm-hmm. like helped someone else, you know, open the door. And it was like, that seems so minor, but mm-hmm. that's such huge like progress that I would like, you know, maybe even be close to tears, like with just happiness. Yeah. <laughs> or like when you're gone for the weekend, you come back and you walk onto a unit with the little kids and they're all like, and like they swarm you like you're Santa Claus. I didn't and get you're that. Just, yeah. I get like shit. It's yeah. Corey again. God gross. <laughs> oh, she's gonna tell me to use a skill. <laughs> yeah. So me and Corey both worked on like the adolescent kind of unit, and then I spent a lot of time with the little kids who have a very different um, approach to working with their therapist yeah. than than the adolescent unit. In that, you know, like the the adolescent unit was like. OMG, like, why are you so obsessed with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, when you come to meet with them for yeah. therapy, and then the kids, it's like, OMG, why are these kids so obsessed with me? Like, I would be like, hi, I'm here to meet with you. Like, again? Ew. Like, I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the, like the nature of residential. <laughs> see you a lot. Yeah, right. Ugh. Or, like, the little kids who are like, when are you meeting with me this week? Like, you haven't met with me yet this week. Like, I haven't gotten any time with you. And I'm like, we met for two hours yesterday. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh my goodness. I really did love the ability to, like, play outside. um, Mm -hmm. And and that was so therapeutic. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it was just playing outside and, and, like, skill building. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved the opportunity of, like, being able to go to school and, like, sit in the classroom and, like, 
okay, how could you, you know, ask for help in this way? Or like, remember, what skill are we practicing today? And then just kind of getting to be there as like a guide, you know? Yeah, you truly get to see your clients like in every moment of their day. Yeah. And like, I feel like you get so much more information. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, now doing like um, private practice and outpatient, like someone will come in with their child and I'm like, what happened this week? And they'll give me like two or three details. And I'm like, Man, that's so much different than at residential yes. when I would get like literally like notes upon notes upon notes of every moment yeah. that this child had for a twenty four hour period. Um, like you just get a, such a better sense of progress. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely been a transition for me to not get like a plethora of information about every single thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Like we could go back and be like, how many like bowel movements did this child have? I mean, not not actually, but you know, sometimes. Like, yeah, some depending on the client. Maybe if those bowel movements occurred in a strange place, um, but like literally, it'll be like client slept this many hours. Yeah, you like, can look at the log if they're like, I didn't sleep well last night, and the log is like, yeah, they got up like every two hours. If the log mm-hmm. is like, you know, appear to sleep throughout, it might be like, oh, well, it could, it's an opportunity to challenge it. Maybe you had a restless sleep, but you slept. Or, like, yeah, you really were up all night. Let's mm-hmm. let's uh, work on maybe a med adjustment or, like, a sleep um, hygiene schedule or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's, it's so funny now that I'm, like, oh, like, what does that mean when someone says, like, oh, I didn't sleep last night. And I'm, like, oh, there's no log for me to check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And, like, I feel like as a therapist it's really helpful because you can almost always uh, – like, the care providers, like, the skills trainers that are there are going to follow through with what your recommendations yeah. are, which is really different oftentimes than, you know, working with a family that lives at home. Like, oftentimes, like, I'll find myself suggesting the same thing for weeks on end of, like, hey, why don't we try this? Or here's a behavioral plan. Or, like, yeah. let's do a sticker chart. Um, and it's a lot easier in residential for those things to, to get started mm-hmm. so then the kids get used to it and then hopefully when they get home you know the family is able to keep it up yeah yeah um but yeah it's a totally different experience and I wish more therapists had the opportunity to like be skills trainers or and a lot are you know like yeah I, I certainly know a lot of therapists that used to be skills trainers but I feel like it's such a valuable skill yeah to work with so many people um, to hear so many people's opinions about a case, to get all this feedback. Like, as an independent clinician, I feel like that experience helped me grow in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if I had started out in private practice, I don't think that I would have the same diversity of different opinions and knowledge and, you know, conceptualizations in my mind. As so I what I'm have. hearing you say is we're better clinicians because we... <laughs> because we worked in we worked res. In I kind of... I feel like... Maybe not better, but I think that no. I'm well, gonna... like we're better for it. Like yeah, not better certainly. than anyone else. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, we're better. Than no, 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 no. That's not what I meant to say. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I think for yeah, definitely, I would say that working in that environment definitely made me a better clinician than yeah. I would have been otherwise. Me too. Me mm-hmm. too. And much more patient. Mm-hmm. Although my patience might have worn thin toward the end there. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing to talk about with res is that there's a lot of burnout. Yes. It's hard to see the same issues, the same kids coming in and out and in and out, um, especially when there's a lot of violence. Yeah. That kind of um, are a part of that picture. Yeah. You know, um, like as much good nature and good intentions as you can have, if a client threatens to punch you every single day, eventually you're going to feel burnt out about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, That's hard. I'm, I'm thinking of a few um, clients I worked with that really, you know, just challenged me to, like, it, it was hard. They, they're, obviously it was trauma and attachment issues, but it's really hard to have that all projected onto you. Mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, not to take it personally, obviously, but it's hard not to take it personally when every single day someone is telling you, you know, you're the worst, I hate you, I want to hurt mm-hmm. you, or things of that nature. Um, but your job as a therapist is to meet them with unconditional positive regard and to support them, Mm -hmm. um, and to show up and how do you, how do you hold those boundaries? How do you not internalize it? How do you not get burnt out? I think the thing that burnt me out at the end wasn't, um, wasn't the clients. It was the systems. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. of like various things and and that um like if it were just the clients all day I think I would have lasted a little bit longer not forever because it was hard but if I didn't have like any paperwork <laughs> I might have lasted a little bit longer. The paperwork might have been the worst part. I just hated being everybody's bad guy. Yeah. Like, I felt like there was no reprieve from being somebody's bad guy. Yeah. You're either the insurance company's bad guy, yeah. DHS's bad guy, the parent's bad guy, the client's bad guy, the staff's bad guy. Like, I just felt like it was always, like, you can't please anybody. Yeah. Or you can't please everybody all the time. And yeah. I think residential is a perfect example of, like, like, the perfect storm. Yeah. Where it's, like, you want to discharge a client because you feel like they're ready to go. The client's really excited. The family's really scared. Insurance is really happy. <laughs> DHS is, like, ugh, I don't know. You know, yeah. like, all these different systems. Like, it's, like, you can never have a situation where everyone's, like, happy with what you've done. Yeah. It's always, like, you've never done, you've not done enough. Like, you're always being told by someone that you're not doing enough. Yeah. One of the things that also really wore me out was just feeling worried all the time. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of constantly worried about people because the downside of knowing everything, everything. <laughs> is then worrying about mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, oh, I wonder if they slept. I wonder how that new med is. I wonder how mm-hmm. that phone call went. Oh, I wonder, like, are they going to call me today? How's family therapy going to go? What's going to get brought up? I have to bring this thing up. and mm-hmm. And then just worrying, like, discharge planning and worrying like afterward like there were some times when it was like I feel really positive and then like you know bye-bye see ya like feel really good but a lot of times it was just like I don't know what's going to happen next and that uncertainty and unknown was really hard for me to hold on to with so many um people that I really grew to care about you know mm-hmm. um because yeah like as soon as clients are doing reasonably well they go home and that was really hard to not see mm-hmm. the resolve like Wow, it went from, I mean, obviously there's progress, but last week there was maybe suicidal ideation, um, and this week there's none, and yay, I feel so so happy for you and proud for you, um, and I want you to leave here and go back to the world and live your life, and also I'm just so worried, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, the only marker for success we have is if they aren't on the referral list again. Yeah. If I never hear from you again, that's all I. That that's all I know. Means you're doing well because it was basically like the highest level of care in Oregon. So yeah. as long as they weren't back there, they were probably okay. Probably okay. Yeah. yeah, that was hard. So you know, I, I think we both have had um, wish all of our previous clients from residential the best and hope that everyone's doing really well. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you're using your skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four seven eight breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope all of you out there are playing ball tag and um. you know having a great time. Um, yeah, and I think you know the stories too. Like really, kind of, um, you know, like we know that uh, you know trauma. You know, the worst trauma doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to end up in residential care. Yeah, because um, the way that we process trauma has a lot to do with our brains and our environment, our bodies. You know, like internal all these and external things. vulnerabilities. Yeah, but then at the same time, guaranteed, you know, most of the kids at a high level of care are going to have pretty scary stories. Um, and I think hearing those stories and kind of dealing with the aftermath of yeah. that is really hard. It was hard for me. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Even like I love dark stories like I'm a fan of um you know uh true crime and you like murder (laughs) I don't like murder I like true crime you like murder (laughs) (laughs) but like I have a pretty high tolerance and threshold for like scary stories yeah and even I found myself being burnt out on the, the level of scariness of like this is real life I found myself and I would get feedback from other people in my life like I would just be talking about something or, like, watching something, and they'd be like, hey, like, what, that's kind of, like, fucked up. What are you, like, watching? And I'd be like, what? Oh, just, like, I don't know. Like, what? It's fine. And they're like, yeah, are you, like, completely numb? And I'm like, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I've been kind of, like, desensitized to things mm-hmm. where it was, like, you know, I might, like, make a joke, and someone else would be like, that's, like, I can't believe you just joked about that. And yeah. I'm like, oh. The gallus humor is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, definitely a, uh, that's probably why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, if anyone has any, like, particular, like, questions about anything that we talked about today or, um, is interested to hear more stories about res, um, I know that we'd be happy to 
to share yeah. more. Um, just interested in what y'all might be interested in hearing about. Yeah, we're always open for suggestions. Anything you want us to include, anything you felt like mm-hmm. you didn't agree with. Um, again, these are just, you know, our kind of opinions and mm-hmm. my favorite word, pontification. Yeah, we're just pontificating. We're just pontificating, just and, two people. Um, you know, just, just for anyone out there, like, uh, what we say is not necessarily what your therapist might say. None of this is medical or therapeutic no. advice. Nothing that we say um, can or will be used against us. <laughs> we are yeah. therapists. We We're, are not your therapist. Correct. We are therapists, but we are not your therapists. Um, just so that that is is clear. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of really exciting stuff coming up for you guys, and I can't wait to share that when we can. But for now, I'll leave you in suspense. Woohoo! All right. Okay. We, we will talk to you guys soon. Peace out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Adulting Therapists. To learn more about us, you can find Emily at sprouttherapypdx.com or on Instagram at sprouttherapypdx. And you can find Corey at coreyantoncounseling.com. See you for your next session!